it's interesting because there are parallels because if you assume that we're all going to die, you know, the only things you can really leave behind are any children you might have and whatever work you do, you know, creative works especially. So ideally those will outlast us a bit as well if they're any good. <laughs> Welcome to Shotgun Story the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. There is so much to understand about what it means to have a career as an independent artist, and when you add children to the mix, it can become a little more complex. To help keep you creating, we're excited to bring you this 10-part series, focusing particularly on being a parent in the music industry. This project is made possible with support from the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung, and Goethe Institute. As a musician and a parent, I know firsthand some of the challenges faced, and so these conversations have been really eye-opening. And remember to go to shotguntory.com for bonus behind-the-scenes content from today's episode, as well as to explore the other conversations in this series. Hagen Engler is a word artist, a singer, a guitarist, a spoken word performer, a writer, the author of a book called The Trustees, which is released this year, frontman for a band called The Feel So Strongs. He's also known as Inspector Rass. And he's also a dad, and he's here with me in studio on this very rainy night. What a pleasure to be here, Tori. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you could come in. Cool. We made it. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Through the rain and the lightning and the storms. But it's good to be here. Let's start at the very beginning. Why music? What drew you here? It just comes out. Eh? You don't have to consciously try and find it, which I didn't do. I didn't study music at school. In fact, I was chased away from music. My mom detected I had some musical ability, so she said, well, you should go for music classes at school. But I had a very conservative school, like one of those Tuatalaka school, where it was like an Afrikaans uh, music teacher. And I came and I was like, showed up, I was like six or seven. I was, my mom said, I must come for music classes. And she said, no, no, there's a mistake. Music's for girls. Tell her your sister's supposed to come. So I went back and I told my mom, no, no, they said Bridget has to go. My sister who's not musical, didn't dig it at all, like suffered through it for like three or four years, pounding away at a keyboard. So I didn't do music all the way through school. But then I finished school and then I just was listening to so much music and I got a guitar as a gift. And next thing I was just playing and performing and it just comes out so easily. It finds you and then, you know, next thing you're in bands and you go into the open mics and then, then you're recording and touring a bit, performing all that. It's on. You know. <laughs> and some highlights of your career so far? I've been at it for a while, eh? so probably around the turn of the millennium, we was in a band called Jedi Rollers, and we made an album that got on to, it was like in the album's top 10, and we had a single that was top 10, and it was the time of surf movies, and we got, you know, included on the soundtrack, so it was like skating, surfing, we had like some punky stuff, and some just bizarre, like poetry, funky stuff, and they... They had surfers dug it, so we got on there. You know, it was still the days of VHS cassettes. And you're like, dude, we're there. 
you know, and then I got into um, a magazine work. So I was editing a magazine and then got back into the, the band thing, playing Opie Copies good. A little bit of touring, you know, I enjoy that, playing like a new town where they don't know you at all. Yeah. So I'm from the Eastern Cape, Port Elizabeth, so that just getting out there, you know, made it to Cape Town, you know, that was a big <laughs> thing as well. Woo! Cape Town, the big city, you know, that was cool. What was that location? It was the Shack 206 and then play the big venue upstairs. Mercury. You know, so, hey, the Mercury. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Those are little milestones, you know. Last band I was in called the Near Misses. You know, there we played Opikopi, so that was good. And now I'm in the Kulasovs. Um, the Feels So Strongs, and we got an EP that we've just been recording, working with Matthew Fink. That's quite cool, you know, like just new connections, new people, new ideas. So many cool experiences. So nice, and so many incarnations. Oh, ah, yeah. Just give it a little tweak, try something different this time. Like I've been in bands where you try, just do lots and it's all rough. Yeah. You know, like you've got about 50 songs, but they actually don't perfect any of them. And then this latest one, we thought, no, no, let's just have like eight songs, but then we just perfect them. So they're actually good, you know. Yeah. So it was a different approach. So that's what we try to do. But a little bit of polish, you know. I actually can't mm. wait to hear them. Mm. Yeah. So like I say, it's, it's almost done. Well, it'll be out in the next few weeks, eh? Okay, so, I mean, I always ask this question, but I think I know the answer. What came first, parenting or music? Certainly music. <laughs> the key is just that they start to coalesce, you know. That's when you're at peace with yourself. You know, there's a moment where you think, no, when I become a parent, I'm going to have to stop the music. Yeah. And then maybe you even try to do that for a bit, but then you realize, actually, I can't. I've got to do the music still. And then it's a question of how. And then there's challenges around that stop being embarrassed about it you're like yeah I'm a dad Lisa's my little girl you know and then you work's going to actually function you know maybe it's not practical to bring it to practices so then you're working on child minding things play some open air shows then Lisa can come watch you know you're just finding ways to make it all work yeah and where are you in your parenting journey well you know I'm a co-parent I'm divorced Lisa's staying with me at the moment you know, so taking Lisa to school, fetching her every day, but I'm working. So you, I'm a writer for a PR agency. So this work from home thing is, is kind of handy. Try to get into the office once in a while. But, you know, you start to realize nothing special about music either. You know, whatever career you choose, you're always trying to balance this this thing of of raising your child while also expressing yourself, which you have to do. And earning a living so that you can do the best for your child as well. Yeah. And she is nine, you were saying. Yes, Lisa was nine years old. Okay, wonderful. And how old was she when you guys split? I mean, this is a personal question, so you uh, have to answer Yeah, it. well, as it happens, Lisa was just asking me on the way here. She was five, got divorced, 2017. Co-parenting thing and uh, just finding ways to make it work, eh? Things change as you as you move through life and you just compromise and sacrifice and just put your child first. You know, that's your lasting legacy. It's interesting because there are parallels because if you assume that we're all going to die, you know, the only things you can really leave behind are any children you might have and whatever work you do, you know, creative works especially. So 
ideally those will outlast us a bit as well if they're any good. <laughs> you know, I was hoping. Exactly. So you mentioned before that when you started thinking about children, mm. you thought you might have to stop music. Mm. Did you have any other ideas of what kind of impact that being a parent would have on your career? Dude, it's uncharted territory, the first child. So, I mean, I was into it, but I didn't know what to expect. You know, I was like, I'm committed to this. I'm going to do my best to make it work. I'm going to change nappies. I'm going to take Lisa to school and fetch and help at the home and do, you do everything. But the music... Initially, you think, okay, well, it was co-parenting, so then you can get away a bit, share the load, and then there's a point where you separate, then you're still trying to see, can it work? And then I just, I'm not happy if I'm not creating. And that sort of is not good for everybody around you, and then you become a sort of a negative presence, and that's not good. So you go to yourself to find a way to make it work and to express yourself and create something, some art, some work, make the time. And people who really understand you will accept that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start accommodating each other. Lisa knows that's what I do as well. Just start playing guitar in the house, you know, and we've written songs together as oh, well. That's you know. the best. I know, it's great. <laughs> so that's when everyone's happy, you know. Yeah. Do you think that having kids changed your fans' perception of you? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you just live through chapters. I was very single, my first band, Jedi Rollers. And when I listen back at the lyrics, they're kind of satirizing the life that I was living at the time, you know. So that's what that was about, you know. And then the next chapter is about something else. But eventually you start writing songs about the experience of having a child, you know, I've got a song called The Birds. It's about that thing where your child is like not even one and can't sleep. So you're walking around, it's 3 a.m., 4 a.m., the sun starts rising and it's the dawn and you've got your little daughter and you're just like trying to, and then you notice the birds and it's got this like, and birds never, birds never sing out a key. It's just things that you notice while you're raising your child, you know, and that's, gives you a whole lot of material and uh, creative ideas. So it enriches the process, you know, when you accept it, you know, just the tension comes when you're like trying to pretend or you're trying to cling to that single Mm. life, which is gone. And you must accept that, I think. Then that sort of acceptance opens up all those doors and then it can can work, you know. Mm. You can't, well, you can try and live a single life, but I don't think it's um, the path of flow. You're going to be just short-circuiting so many things, you know. Mm. So rather embrace parenthood and your status as a musician and a creator and then find ways to reconcile it too. I Mm. think that's the way. What are some of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis, balancing parenting and music? So the enemy of creativity is stress. Yeah. When you're stressed, it just doesn't come or you force it and it's not lacquer. But life is busy and stressful. But at the same time, those stressful experiences create material that can be fuel for your creative ideas. 
So that's the balancing act you got to sort of perform is experiencing life, which is stressful, but then practicing the, the type of self-love, I guess, to make space to just relax enough to do the creative practice, which, I mean, easier said than done. If you're stressed, you're stressed. You can't just be like, okay, it's much relaxed time now. It doesn't work like that, you know. So there's that, but just got to be aware that, okay, I've got to find a way to, to just calm down and just relax and just let the ideas come through or accept that this isn't that time. I'm not going through a creative patch. So not now, not for six months, whatever. And then other times it just comes, you know, that one when you just kind of sleep and you, okay, these are some words, quick, quick. And then you've got to get your phone out and yeah. just write them and then you write the whole song in like two minutes and then it's like, oh, sure. That was nice, you know, like being open to that, to the universe sending little transmissions. Maybe it's your mind downloading the stress of the day. So maybe it like pulls up, coils up this tension and then as it's unwinding, it just lets out these these kind of songs or poems or whatever, ideas, which is great. I mean, it can be terrifying, uh, even the, the ideas, but it certainly is, you know, creativity operating. Essentially, the whole act of having children is like the ultimate creative act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's such a parallel. I think it was Faulkner speaks about an immigrant and he's trying to talk. He says uh, his words were just children. Because they hadn't grown up into sophisticated sentences and forms of expression. So he's speaking that newly learnt English where you just know the basics, you know. But, you know, language, it's like your children as well. Because you, you create it and you send it, send it out into the world. There's a point where you no longer have control of it. Yeah. You know, when that work goes out. Someone comes to you and says, oh, I loved what you said with that thing. And you're like. Dude, if that's what you got from that, that's awesome. <laughs> that's not what I mean today. That's cool. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed that. Totally. Actually, when, at the minute it leaves your mouth, it's no longer yours. Yeah. yeah. And it's open to interpretation and people see other things. And then that helps you again. You're like, actually, yeah, there is that, you know. Like this band we're in, we got this thing. We call it like African rock and we try and incorporate. Like, and like the African style of chord progressions is just a loop, flat loop. Sometimes no, like, first chorus first. So then Matthew Fink is doing the mastering. He's like, oh, I love you guys. Got that New York Dolls thing, you know. I was like, New York Dolls? Punk, I guess. I guess it is, yeah, because it's just the chords. So, yeah, there's a different way of looking at the same thing, you know, mm. and then that helps you understand your own work through fresh eyes or fresh ears. Very cool. Yeah. So how do you do it? What is your support system like mm. with your parenting? Mm. Well, Lisa's mom's still around, but at the moment she's down in PE. Lisa's got cousins here, got an aunt. You just try and share the load. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the best thing is just think of it as extended family. My sister's here, and Lisa's got two cousins. And, I mean, we've lived there for, like, months at a time. They go on holiday, we house sit. So... That's sort of my understanding of it, you know. We're family and we're together. Lisa and I live together in our own flat, but mm. just trying to have the broadest understanding of family as you possibly can. And then, you know, we help each other where we can. If I can help that side, 
we do and that's it we support each other hey? and would you ever bring Lisa on the road with you she's growing up hey? but Lisa was at a show when she was in that baby carrier not even one there's pictures of her with our band so but that's local gigs touring is something else again eh? it gets quite primal eh? you know and that's sometimes maybe at odds with what you would want for your child. But again, as Lisa grows up, you know, children are resilient and they can adapt to just about anything. Mm. You know, there's things that you think would be really inconvenient and they just sort of shrug and handle it, you know. So, yeah, never say never. Yeah. Do you know of any support for parents within the industry? Not practical support. Like, you know, Pete from SDO and, like, we had a show together and, like, Stuff came up and I just couldn't, I had to stay home. I had to just phone Laurie and be like, guy, I'm not going to make it. Eh? Peter's also a parent, so he's like, you know, understanding. Because mm. I think that comes up for all parents where you're forced to choose. And then the choice is actually very clear because yeah. you choose your child every time. But it's super inconvenient for your friends, for your bandmates. You know, the other people on the show and then someone else's business is trying to have a night and suddenly he doesn't have a band. So that's blind haste. So if there were ways that we could provide childcare for musicians, hey, that would just be so much of a support. Hey? But that applies across all sectors. Mm. You know, where I work, there really should be childcare there, you know. Mm. COVID obviously complicates things, but it's always occurred to me like, Dropping your kid off, then you scramble to work, then you sort of guiltily sneak off to fetch the child from school. Then, you know, I would like bring Lisa to work for like an hour and a half and then leave. But if there was, you know, childcare place there at work, that would be great. For music, they should be the same. There should be those facilities, whether it's one central place where all musicians have children on a Friday and Saturday, maybe a Wednesday, whatever, mm. could bring their kids. They'd be professionally looked after by someone who's paid for, is a professional, it's safe. You know, you've got all the facilities, maybe, you know, professional childminder. And, uh, you know, all the devices are there and some entertainment and kids are the same age and that kind of stuff. It's I mean, a great idea. It's a cool idea. It doesn't seem like impossible either. No, especially if you think of something similar to like they have at the gyms. Yes. Yeah, Club something v. rad. Club exactly. V. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And, you know, obviously a bar is not the right place. So if it would be just somewhere central, kiddie music, childcare type of space, and then that would prolong careers, build networks. Because we were speaking earlier, hey, that's, you know, if you're trying to create a persona of being a single, free and easy type of individual, then when you have kids, that creates that tension and you wouldn't be able to sustain that for very long, mm -mm. you know. But if there's support, you can look at, at reconciling those things and balancing it. Those two aspects of your, your life, you know, in yourself. Totally. I think the big thing about music is that Success, and I'm said very loosely because we all have such different definitions of it, mm. it happens at different times for different people. So you could be making music for six months and you could get a break. 
Mm. And you could be making music for 15 years and only then get a mm. break. To be able to prolong a musician's career mm. for as long as it takes. Yeah. yeah, for all those sort of Lego pieces to click. Mm. You know, maybe your style and your aesthetic and your voice and whatever only really works when you're 60, man. That guy, mm. Seasick Steve. Yes. I mean, he's easily 60, he's probably 70 by now I mean and he only made it when he was that age so you never know when all the stars are going to align or just to prolong a career that was good and it's going to evolve and get richer and, and more nuanced as you grow, grow up or grow age whatever you know and that's it just makes for such interesting material you know like what Adele does you know she just says you know this is me when I'm 19 this is me when I'm 21 and it's all good it's all different it's, She's a, a growing artist and evolving. It just embraces that aging process as well, as well and integrates it into her work, you know, which I think is amazing. Yeah, this aging thing, it's quite a thing. Yeah, look, eh, it's not for, it's not for sissies. <laughs> it's real, eh? <laughs> It's quite terrifying. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it might be worse for women. But I, I'm interested to get your perspective on that. It's slightly off topic. But... Yeah, aging. I've always just embraced it because what I do is I've got quite a a youthful approach to life. Mm. So I just insert myself into spaces where I want to be, which will sometimes mean I'm the oldest person there by miles. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm 50 years old. That's what it is. And it goes through cycles. I was in the SA surfing champs when I was like 18. I was the oldest like there. Then I was the intercontinental like 21. I was the oldest guy in the surfing competition. You know, then I would be in a band. I was like the oldest guy in the band, you know, at work, you know, I'm the oldest guy at the off in the office, you know. So what? Yeah. You know, it's just, I was also the youngest person on some other things. And so in some ways, I'm like the link between that old generation and the next generation. And those are the roles we perform. You know, and do you think having a child makes you younger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a privilege. Mm. You know, in some ways, I'm younger than other people that are younger than me, mm. because through Lisa, I'm connected to her culture, and someone who's single might not because they don't have kids. Yeah. So they're just thirty-five. Lisa's nine, so she's on TikTok, so she's singing. Whatever songs are going on TikTok, I can understand the actual philosophy of TikTok, how it works, how they use music. They recycle music from ages ago. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. That's from 1961. They got it going on TikTok as, you know, to go with those clips. And so that sort of cycles it and it gives it a little polish, contemporary vibe. You know, so it's all just different eras coexisting actually it's fascinating are you on tiktok have you do you make videos no i don't no no i leave that i've made videos with lisa (laughs) she's the one with the account and when we can help each other or film each other or you know daddy doing the choreography in the background you know but i'm very much a extra in those clips but it's all good you know it's all fun and lisa it's so savvy like the trends it's not comfortable, you know, at the moment with being the face on the, and who am I, you know, on the video. So Lisa started an account of, you know, ASMR, T 
textural content with slime and just making slime and then like squishing it and then finding these video clips of like soft wobbly slime just shimmering people love that they love that man she was just killing like hundreds of subscribers <laughs> just with wobbly slime you know so it's just finding and understanding your channel and and all of that so i mean i'm learning from her all the time it's great oh that's such an exciting aspect i actually didn't think about yeah man you know and then i've got a few little tips on this and that i mean we work on at uh, ogilvy we work in social as well so you understand the trends and ways to do it and but then again then you have a brainstorm you always find yourself going like yeah, well, my daughter's into this, you know, <laughs> totally like mainlining her and stealing her ideas, you know, or like mixing up ideas together and coming up with something new. It's awesome. How do you think that having children has affected your creative process? It's changed it, but I did that other thing before, you know, that single guy thing, and then I was at, I was the editor of a magazine called FHM, and that was very much girls in bikinis you know, rock and roll, caning, whatever, partying. That was awesome. I was doing shoots all over the world, you know, tropical islands and travel and, and all of that. That was amazing. That runs its course. Then you go to the next and then you get married and have kids and that's another amazing set of experiences, you know. So it changes it, but it's another huge source of, inspiration so you got you embrace that and you know just go to the next new phase you know it's would be sort of cheating yourself to just cling to the one theme mm. you know when life is taking you away from it anyway so it's just not be too nostalgic or sentimental about that the end of that phase you know that's i think part of the skill of aging and going through life is just identifying okay that one's over it's just put it aside and move on. Yeah. Maybe you're wrong though. So there's a certain skill to that. Maybe you can sometimes end something too soon or incorrectly. You know, like I try to do with my music. Okay, the music, that thing's over. And then I'm like, no, nah, actually, I've got to do it. Yeah. You know, I've got to write the songs. I've got to play, perform. So that's, you know, no, we're no experts. We're just learning and trying and burgling our way through life eh? on Love and freestyling, I guess. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. How does Lisa feel about your music? She seems to enjoy it, eh? Hey? You want to come say hi, Lisa? She's here anyway. <laughs> she's my lovely little daughter. And she's a... She's a creative uh, person herself. So she's... Uh, like I say, we've, we've made music together, written songs. Um, she's, you know, singing the songs of today, all of that. Yeah. And uh, gave some input, you know. And Liso, do you want to be a musician yourself? No. no. She's very practical, eh? Yeah. She's like, you're good at dancing. You should become a dancer. No, I don't think uh, you could really make a career out of that. Oh, you know, you know which very is very smart. Which is practical, but you appreciate music. Yeah. What do you think the purpose of music? There's so many different purposes depending on the genre you choose. Mm. It's a fair point. Yes, it mm. really is. Yeah, and so we've got so much to learn from each other, you know what I mean? Absolutely. 
I hopefully I'll be doing an interview with you at some point because that is something <laughs> I'd be interested in you expanding on. Yeah. Do you want to go sit down? <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, kids are a blessing, you know, yeah. not a liability. It's the fundamental insight. You know, sometimes there's practical considerations that, you know, you've got to sort out, but always just got to be grateful yeah. for the blessing. A little off topic, mm. as we sort of head towards the end. Local artist that uh-huh. you would highly recommend that someone listening to this go listen to? So, like I mentioned that we're into African rock mm. and we're trying to sort of get that fusion going again. It used to happen, but it's, you know, it obviously happens because we're African, so the music we make is going to have that in it. But the idea of sort of African artists making this international style in their own way, I mean... So, you know, Black Jacks did it, and that's just so unique. You know, just the, the more current guys are shameless out of Soweto, like African metal, mm. but like African hard rock, but Bakanga in there as well, their own organic way. And just we played a show with them, and it was just, and they're also just dynamic, like vibrant, like ripped, sexy guys, shirts <laughs> off shredding so dude that is you gotta check out shameless they call themselves shameless sa oh amazing yeah, i'm yeah. totally gonna check it out yeah and it's, it's hard it's hard it's, it's like proper hard rock you know yeah. they were harder than us you know <laughs> so hey respect you know and it's straight out of soweto and they got a scene there and you know they're getting endorsements and i oh, mean it's just so encouraging to see it done with the fresh but uh um authentic south african flavor you know so mm. And hey, the guys have got kids. You go watch their videos. It's like in a backyard in Soweto. Little three-year-olds just coming and standing and staring at dad, just shredding. It's amazing. Very, very cool. So also, again, organic parents, you know, on their creative journey. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Mm. And advice for indie artists to keep them keeping on. Mm. And advice for those who want to become parents as well. Mm. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche in this era, you know, of motivational speaking, motivational trends, whatever. But to live intentionally, like consciously, know what you're doing. You know, sometimes you lose concentration and you drift. And then if you're not taking charge and doing things in a conscious, intentional way, then someone else will. And then you end up living someone else's purpose or someone else's vision yeah and then that's not rewarding for you necessarily so i think just um live intentionally they have a vision uh i don't believe in like being too picky about it you know control every aspect of it but just have a have an idea of where you're headed and then what you do will serve that you know that applies to your creative and your family life I think you know if you know you're gonna you want to have a child you know then you can be open to that and start putting things in place to support that you know whether it's relationships or living arrangements or work income you know all of that is necessary for uh, for to raise a child and then just to 
serve your creative needs, you, you should also have a vision of you see that playing out. And they, you also need to take charge a little bit because if you just drift again, you won't necessarily be happy with the end product. Mm. You know, you're working with other people. It's always collaborative. So there's that creative tension. You've got to kind of fight for what you believe. Musicians are so like, such passive aggressive. It's not like, no, it's like, okay. You know, and then it's like dark and then there's no <laughs> one's talking in the band room. And then it's just, okay, look, I think this way, like say, express, talk. It's actually like a relationship. You know, like a band can be like a five-way marriage. Yeah. You know, and the so is not talking to this, so okay, whatever. Break that silence, speak out, you know, it's like express your vision so that people can start to share it. Because sometimes that other one where everyone thinks they understand what, what you've got in mind, but it's, everyone's got a different vision and then it just doesn't work. So try and communicate clearly, you know, visualize and live with, uh, live with purpose. Wonderful advice. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I wish I could just put it into practice more effectively, but uh, we're all just learning. Eh? Yeah, we are. And how can people learn more about you, socials? Yeah, so I'm Hagen Engler. On, on Twitter is where I'm most active, at H-A-G-E-N-E-N-G-L-E-R, at Hagen Engler, Facebook as well. Our band is called The Feel So Strongs. So we're, on, we're on Facebook. My books are at, published through Jakana Media. And otherwise, I've got a blog at hagenshouse.com. So... You can find out more and, and lots of my writing and my music and stuff lives on there as well. And there's a SoundCloud as well. Inspector Russ all sort of interrelates. So just find me, man. I'm out there. Amazing. Thank you. This episode was made possible by the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung and Goethe Institute. The Music in Africa Foundation is a pan-African non-profit organization based in Johannesburg, South Africa with satellite offices in East, West and Central Africa. Their mission is to support the African music sector through promoting knowledge exchange and creating opportunities and capacity for music professionals. I'm Shotgun Tori, and if you're an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on my website at shotguntori.com. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. It's not yet like this morning But I can hear the birds we started to feed From the same bed where all begins All the same home where all begins Well, there's a glimmer of light then we might see The love that they used to be between you and me.
Jesus Christ.